Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, uh, we can catch you up on some news of what's going on. Mostly what's going on is an attempted evacuation of uh, U.S. citizens and the personnel involved in the fighting over the years, and then also uh, trying to get out as many of the interpreters and people that helped us and everything like that. I, the, uh, Joe Biden specifically said he is going to prioritize Americans, which some people had a problem with. I don't have a problem with, but uh, it'd be nice if you can get everybody out. But anyway, uh, they're having trouble getting to the airport. Update on that in just a second. Joe and I were both struck by the fact that a number of the late-night comedians took a swing at jokes around this whole story. I'm kind of interested in and and uh, how they attempted that. Yeah, I haven't heard any of these. Let's hear Jimmy Fallon. Of course, everyone's talking about the situation in Afghanistan. The U.S. is in the middle of a withdrawal from the country, and yesterday the Afghan government fell to the Taliban. That's right. Last year, Trump made a peace deal. Trump made a peace deal with the Taliban to end the war, and now after Biden's withdrawal, they're back in power. So, on the bright side, it's nice to have a bipartisan screw up. <laughs> You can tell things aren't good for Biden because today he said, do you know, maybe the election was stolen. <laughs> wow. I don't know why that's funny, but it made me laugh. Uh, Stephen Colbert as to the popularity of the, uh, the recent move. As recently as last month, an overwhelming majority of Americans, 70 percent or more, supported Biden's withdrawal. Seventy percent. Do you know how few things 70% of Americans agree on? I think it's this and extra cheese, (laughs) which also often ends badly and faster than you plan. Wow. 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 So I'm just wondering that their reading of the temperature of things and... I don't know. The polling is people wanted out. Trump ran on getting out. Biden ran. Obama ran on getting out. Biden ran on getting out. Yep. The the overarching feeling might be, yeah, a lot of that stuff sucks and terrible. I saw something on the news is bad, but we're getting out. Good. Yeah. Maybe that. I'm be- looking at. I'm looking at some of the uh, the usual suspects on the right. The uh, more expansionist, call them neocons, if you want, saying how this is a disaster and and uh, the repercussions will be felt for decades, and we've allowed Al Qaeda to blah blah blah. I don't think most Americans have the patience for a permanent occupation of Afghanistan. Well, and uh, that's kind of the unsophisticated uh, follower of this. If you're a sophisticated follower of this, you can make the argument that. There's Al-Qaeda all over the place in lots of countries. We're not occupying those countries. I don't get it. Anyway, um, uh, I'll tell you one thing that could turn things pretty fast. If there is a terrorist attack of any size that can in, in any way, shape, or form be tied to somebody in Afghanistan, that could uh, that could be pretty rough. Yeah, and if the... Lonely old man at that empty table. What's his name? Joe Biden? Uh, I finally saw that picture yesterday, by the way. Um, That was pathetic. You know, Colbert's got a long joke on that. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, why not? Yeah. The White House tried to get ahead of the bad press by releasing this photo of Biden in a virtual meeting with top security officials. But all people could talk about was the fact that the clock showed the wrong times for London and Moscow, sparking conspiracy theories that the pick was staged. 
Come on, people, let's not nitpick. The only clock that matters is the one in Afghanistan, and it's just been reset to the 13th century. Plus, if it was staged, would they have put him completely alone at a conference table? <laughs> Apparently, there's also been a rapid withdrawal from Joe Biden. <laughs> he looks like the only grandpa in the day room watching Jeopardy. <laughs> it, wow. well, what, what was your takeaway from that photo? That Clearly, the, the, the White House chooses photos to release. Yes. Oh, yeah. Actually, I saw one guy who was part of some previous administration saying, hey, uh, White House communications folks, uh, maybe you ought to blur out the CIA screen and the uh, and the NSA screen on that picture. I, thought, rawr, rawr, rawr. Uh, I don't know. It just he looked very small and weak and alone and not at the White House for some reason. He didn't portray anything positive. No, it's hard to imagine why he released it. An old man in an oddly arranged living room watching TV. Well, I've got I've got the Today Show on and Good Morning America, and they're both running right now the same video of that plane taking off with all the uh, Afghan citizens running alongside it, trying to grab onto the wheels. That is that is the video of us leaving Afghanistan. Just like there are pictures of us leaving Vietnam, this is the video of us leaving Afghanistan. That is going to be shown for the rest of your life. I've already seen it 50 times. Well, it's astonishing. Yes, it is. Well, and the people plunging to their deaths as the plane hits about, you know, 500 feet. Yikes. Um, now, Klon Kitchen, I don't know if you know who he is. Uh, I've read uh, stuff from him for quite a while. He's got a website called the uh, Kitchen Sink. He's a tech guy. Uh, right after 9-11, he got hired into um, intelligence, and he's been in all these war zones, and he comments on it a lot. But anyway... He is reporting, well, he said this is according to the New York Times, but I didn't find it in the New York Times. He said the New York, in the New York Times uh, is reporting that we are negotiating with the Taliban, asking the Islamists not to attack the U.S. Embassy in Kabul in exchange for the possibility of future foreign aid. Are we just flat out buying them off like that? We'll give you foreign aid if you let us get everybody out of our embassy and take off? Yeah. That yeah, might, absolutely. That, that might be uh, you know cold-hearted realpolitik that's just smart, but man, that's oh boy, not looking for preemptive my... ransom money. Clearly, it is ransom money. Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's preemptive ransom money. It's not making them go through the really embarrassing for America, uh, actually, you know, blocking off the airport and not letting us get out and demanding money. We're giving them money ahead of time. Yeah, because that yeah. would be a really bad look for the United States. And they could do that at any moment. Still could happen. Could happen any time this week. I wonder how many Afghan officials said to their U.S. Uh, counterparts, their contact, this thing is going to fall apart in a week. I'll bet there were dozens, if not hundreds of them that knew that were 100 percent convinced. Hey, everybody around here has cut a deal with the Taliban. This thing's going to go. There had to be. Hell, it had to be thousands of people who knew. And some of them had access to the United States government, but I don't know. Uh, the people in power have a habit of hearing what they want to hear. That is as, as true of humanity now as it was a thousand years ago, and just I don't know that it ever changes. I keep seeing the reporting that the Kabul airport is open again. They closed it briefly yesterday, um, but it's open again and flights are being flown. I don't see anybody else reporting what the New York Times says today, though. The New York Times is reporting today that 
A lot of those flights, because the Taliban have ringed the airport and aren't letting people in, those flights are landing, they're waiting, nobody shows up, and they take off empty. That seems to me to be a pretty important fact. You can call the airport open and say there are flights leaving, but if there are no human beings on there, it really kind of negates the whole point. Takes the fun out of having an airport, yeah. Well, the airport might just be closed. You might as well report it's being closed. Uh, one more thing, and then maybe we'll move on to, to other stuff for a little while. The Wall Street Journal was not kind to Joe Biden on his speech from yesterday, as their op-ed piece from the editorial board reads, Biden to Afghanistan, drop dead. Biden is defiant in blaming others for his Afghan debacle. I'll just read a paragraph for you from the Wall Street Journal. We'd hoped that Mr. Biden would accept some responsibility and explain how he'd fix this mess. He did none of that, making it clear that he himself is the main architect of this needless American surrender, does not bode well for the rest of his presidency. As I write this, the world's rogues are looking for ways to give him a chance to deliver a similar speech about other parts of the world. Right. Right. Yeah, uh, the United States national security is... I don't think it's ever felt this precarious to me in my life. I'm kind of zooming through my memory banks... I mean, even when Iran had our hostages in the 70s, they weren't an existential threat. That was just a humanitarian crisis. You know, the the Cold War was nasty, but nobody expected an exchange of nuclear arms. And, you know, Nixon, for all of his faults, was a hard ass. I'm just that scan, and obviously during the Reagan years, things got a little tense with the Soviets, but uh, but you had Reagan in charge. Now we have a doddering old man with bad helpers, bad advisors. Oh, yeah, his backup is Kamala Harris. What help is she in this? Oh, that's the (laughs) worst part. Yeah. That speech yesterday, all the contradictions and the blaming and the... And the, the weak, just the tip of the cap to, sure, women and girls will be tortured and oppressed and beaten and whipped and the rest of it, but we'll continue speaking out on women's rights. It's a heck of a thing to say. Yeah, I know. I know. It was just so bad. Hey, you know what we ought to do when we come back? Well, we can move on to other ground for a while if you'd like, but we have a lot of folks from Lindsey Graham to uh, Dan Crenshaw to... Uh, Jeez, Leon Panetta and Oliver North, for goodness sakes, commenting on uh, on the speech and the withdrawal and the rest of it. Uh, General Petraeus has just shot down Biden's claim that the Afghan army wouldn't fight. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people come forward and saying, wait a second. That's just that's just not accurate. So anyway, I do have one question about this, and I realize it's somewhat crass. But the dude's running alongside that behemoth of a plane. I mean, that plane is so huge. It's unimaginably huge. I've never been next to a plane that big. Mm-hmm. What? How did they think that was going to turn out? I don't did they think, know. Well, so, the, so you had the crowd that was, run, that was like trying to grab onto it. Talk about them in a second. But the ones over here running alongside, did they think the plane was going to stop and pick them up at some point? Or? And it was, was a weirdly like party atmosphere, too. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed festive. Yeah. But, but the know. ones grabbing onto the wheels and just like, you know, anywhere they could get a handhold the, the, yeah. in their minds. You know, I don't know how, you know, I don't know how much TV they watch or how much time they've spent on the Internet watching planes fly around. Or maybe the, 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 these people may have never flown on a plane in their lives. I have no idea. Right. Right. But what what did they picture happening? Did they picture, like, 
giving a bear hug to some chunk of metal on the wheel and, and flying all the way to somewhere? Yeah. Yeah, wherever they're going, Kazakhstan or, or what have you. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I mean, you see the third worlders clinging onto the outside of a train car, for instance, on those totally packed train cars. Everybody's up on the roof and the rest of yeah, it. Yeah, I could picture I that working. they were picturing. They're just hanging on. See, I myself could jump onto a train car if I thought I needed to get out of there. I don't know about the handhold on the plane. Yeah, well, they thought, yeah, it'll be a little windy, but I think I'll be First, okay. the alternative is getting my head cut off. And I think it's pretty likely. Yeah, I suppose I'd try it. Anyway, text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we're going to hear from uh, Hope Solo here. She's commenting on Megan Rapino. 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 It's Rapino. Okay. It's Rapino, the soccer, uh, the soccer girl. Here, let's let's hear it. I think the rhetoric surrounding this team has been both divisive and inclusive. But I think the kneeling thing can can be very divisive. I've seen Megan Rapino almost bully players into kneeling because she, she really wants to stand up for something in her particular way. But it's our right as Americans to do it, you know, in whatever way we're comfortable with. Okay. So uh, Hope Solo is a bit of an expert in bullying, isn't she? <laughs> Wasn't she arrested for, like, taking a bat to her cousin and her aunt? Or I can't remember. Oh, yeah. She's or... got some serious uh, WT cops in her. Um, you know, the TV show cops. Bad boys, bad oh. boys. Uh <laughs> She's oh, Whiskey Tango. Whiskey yeah. Tango, Hope Solo. But she was the goalie for the US team, and she says that Rapino bullies people into, uh, well, I suppose that's true. She's a, the leader of the team, and she says you're going to kneel. You probably think, well, I suppose I'll kneel in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, just a, a little uh, palate cleanser. We'll talk more about the situation in Afghanistan uh, later. But a couple of stories of note. Beware the grand pronouncement. Whether it was, you know, after 9-11 and, and newspaper columnists were saying with a straight face, ironically, not ironically, it could be there will never be humor again. This is the death of irony. Everybody will always be serious all the time from now till the end of time. And I remember <laughs> reading the stuff at the time thinking, have you lost your minds? I mean, granted, it was traumatic, but come on now. And, and sure enough, of course, the world was more or less, uh, you know, normal pretty quickly. Uh, the grand pronouncement about COVID and driving people out of cities and remote work and everybody moving to the suburbs and the cities are dead and, and, and we'll have to tear them down and, and build amusement parks or something. I remember no. at one point saying, will I ever touch a doorknob with my bare hand again? That's when right. we thought you could get COVID from uh, surfaces because I yeah. would use a wipe to touch everything. And I just thought, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever touch a bare surface again. Well, and I have to admit, I saw the outflow from cities as being uh, pretty long-term and maybe fairly permanent. Well, uh, Rent Cafe, which is a national real estate listing service, collects data on rental application applications filed in major cities from year to year. Its latest report shows that rental apps in San Francisco more than doubled in the first half of 2021 compared with the same period in 2020. More than double. Huge rebound. And that was the second biggest rebound in renter interest. New York saw a greater percentage of move-in applications. So that's people wanting to live in these cities. And you would yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. To rent uh, rent houses. And then we talked about this, uh, houses and apartments, obviously. We talked about this briefly during the award-winning One More Thing podcast. It, it's never aired. It's just exclusively for podcast listeners at armstrongandgetty.com. And that's the great American dog shortage. I've gone over this, and I'm doing the math, and it seems odd to me. But the uh, CDC has issued a temporary suspension of importation of dogs from more than 100 countries. Everybody decided they wanted a dog during COVID, and, and there aren't enough dogs built in America, I guess. And, and so all sorts of puppy mills around the world, oh, Egypt, oh, India, oh. China, Russia, Ukraine, are sending, like, diseased dogs here. Or do- dogs that haven't been checked or treated or whatever. They don't know what they have. They just pump them up and uh, pump them out and, and send them to the United States. And so they say, uh, beware of the dog uh, you get and where it came from and uh, bring it to your vet immediately because they're coming with ra- rabies and, and all sorts of You don't need a dog stuff. anyway. If you don't already have a dog, you don't need a dog. If you haven't, if you haven't decided uh, you wanted the dog lifestyle before, you don't need a dog. You don't know what you're in for. They say... The annual demand for dogs is 8 million See, in the U.S. That's a ton of people. I'd like to know how many of those people still have that dog two years later. I'd love to know that. U.S. imports more than a million dogs a year because we don't make enough. That runs counter to everything I've ever heard. So I'm not misinterpreted. I'm a dog lover. I own a dog. I've been a dog owner for decades. But most people don't want to be a dog owner. I've just seen too many people get dogs, don't realize what they're getting into, and it's miserable for the poor dog. A lot of responsibility. Yep, and dogs have needs. Yeah, they do. Uh, more on the way. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Make an announcement there at the Pentagon. They said they flew out 700 people in the last 24 hours. Uh, that's not very many. Uh, that's like a slow day at the Salina, Kansas airport. Uh, but they said they hope to pick up speed of Kabul evacuations to one aircraft leaving per hour and five to 9,000 people per day uh, moving out of the city if the Taliban lets us, which we're going to hear <laughs> exactly. more about in a second. Uh, George Bush. Yeah, that George Bush, the one from the Iraq War. Uh, He put out a statement yesterday, a rare statement. He doesn't usually get involved in politics, but he said the United States government has the legal authority to cut the red tape for refugees during urgent humanitarian crises. We have the responsibility and the resources to secure safe passage for them now without bureaucratic delay and called on uh, the White House to do so. I'm I'm, I'm thinking he's watching this and wondering why is why haven't they just loaded these people and gotten them out? What is going on here? I don't know. It's hapless. Virtually every phase of this has just been hapless. Um, I wanted you to get a chance to hear this. I thought this was the clip of the day yesterday, which Tucker Carlson is going to uh, describe and play for you. Here's our sitting national security advisor, for example. He is 44 years old. As far as we can tell, he has never had an actual job. Outside of school, he has no accomplishments whatsoever. Watch this highly respected Rhodes Scholar explain that, in fact, everything you're seeing on TV from Afghanistan is a victory. How do you explain getting this so wrong? 
Well, first, Savannah, to be fair, the helicopter has been the mode of transport from our embassy to the airport for the last 20 years. But you know the larger that is, point. That is, it's not the that helicopter. That is how we move it's not people the mechanism. back and forth. So. No, no, it's to the last-minute scramble. You know that. It's the last-minute scramble when the assurances from the president himself were this was not what we were going to see. The reason that there are U.S. forces at the airport effectuating a successful drawdown of our embassy, uh, securing the airport to be able to get other people out is because the president pre-positioned those forces, thousands of them, in the Gulf so they could be moved in rapidly in the event that there was a rapid collapse. Oh, so they're effectuating a successful drawdown of our embassy. So that's what we call it when you burn your files and flee in a helicopter from approaching gunfire. You're just effectuating another successful drawdown. Woohoo! <laughs> Isn't that stunning? Effectuating that a successful drawdown. And that guy looks like exactly what he sounds like, too. He's just kind of a gray, permanent student-looking guy. Effectuating a successful drawdown. Smashing computers with hammers and burning files. As the ambassador weaved through traffic to try to get to the airport before he got killed. And, and I wish it. I jotted down the specific, uh, specific phrase about securing the airport. Uh, the Taliban has secured the airport. They've ringed it. Nobody goes in and out w- without their permission. And good on Savannah Guthrie to not let him get away with it. Because she started that with about, this looks like Saigon with the helicopters on top. Well, to be honest, the helicopter is the mode of transportation we've used. since. A- That's not the point, you jackass! She says, "Wow. <laughs> well, and, and I hate to be picky, but that's a lie, too, because as we've heard from uh, a number of folks for a long time, yeah. you'd, you'd land in your airplane, you'd get in a cab or a car or whatever, you'd drive to Kabul, you'd drive to the embassy, maybe stop at the local falafel stand for a delightful uh, lunch, and then you'd go on to where you're going. You didn't have to take a helicopter. It's only been in recent years. That's been the truth. So that was uh, that was the, like the three uh, layered lies, one on top of each other. It's, he's good at that. I'll give him that. Effectuating a successful drawdown. Oh, exactly. Okay. And uh, the president anticipated this, and so we've secured the airport as well, and uh, we're evacuating up to uh, 20 people a day. There was some sort of statement yesterday out of the Pentagon that we are no longer, um, I forget the phrase they used, another one of these weird phrases, but something about securing the embassy. So the embassy is now empty, and uh, we, we, like, we aren't standing guard. We spent $700 million building that embassy. I don't know what the Taliban are going to use it for, but it belongs to them now. So wow. who's, who's, who's this Kirby fellow? What's his, uh, what's his oh, thing? Oh, John Kirby's the yeah. uh, spokeshole for the Pentagon. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, I've lost that. Where, where do we want to start with his clips? Well, either, uh, the, Oh, the new ones, yeah. right? The brand he's, new ones. He's just uh, spoken moments ago, so let's hear that. It is U.S. military personnel that are talking to Taliban commanders. Our commanders uh, in the operation um, have had communication with, uh, with, with Taliban leaders. Just suffice it to say that our commanders there at the airport are charged with securing that airport and keeping it secure and to doing what is required to keep it secure and to get operations back up and running and be, to be sustained. Um, and, and they will and should have whatever interactions they believe are necessary to accomplish that mission. Yeah, all the military guys that, uh, that, that, that I like I've been hearing from say, no, the Taliban is letting us secure it. If they decided they wanted to blow up that airport, they could. 
Do we know how many personnel we actually have in place, military personnel at the airport? Because uh, Mike Lyons made it clear from his contacts that a lot of those who've been deployed are sitting on tarmacs waiting to go, but uh, yeah. they can't land if the Taliban has uh, anti-aircraft guns pointed at every incoming flight. To that, we don't know, and we probably shouldn't know. I don't I don't mind not knowing all the details that could be uh, you know of benefit to the Taliban. Why would we announce that this is the exact number we have if there's, you know, I don't want more Taliban in Afghanistan to think they've only got 1,100 guys there. Let's just overrun the damn thing. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I'm just curious. I want to know, can we actually defend ourselves there, or do we have a, a significant number of American boys uh, who are just now waiting for the next shoe to drop and waiting for the, the whims of the Taliban to play out? Or are they a, a, a good, strong defensive force? I don't know. Uh, well, the way B- uh, General McCaffrey on uh, NBC described it last night, he said this is going to be a very um, a scary week because the Taliban could change their mind at any point. And he said they still have the agency there. So, Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Well, that's what we're all going to be keeping an eye on because this could easily, with a misunderstanding or a stray bullet or something, turn into uh, Tehran 1977. Oh, yeah. The blink of an eye. Oh, I mean, yeah. hundreds, maybe thousands of hostages negotiating with bloodthirsty child rapists. Delightful. The only thing we've got going for them is I think it's in their best interest to let us get out of there. That's that's yeah. the only thing we've got going for Let's hope that holds out. Hey, uh, hope is not a strategy. And just hoping nobody breaks into your house is not a strategy either. What you need is simply save home security. It is the best home security system. It's simpler to set up, simpler to use. You can customize it to your home. And whether it's protecting you from a fire, burglary, or a medical emergency, you're going to be safe. Pretty cool. You go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. You customize the system for your home. That's one of the reasons it's so easy to set up. You can set it up yourself. In about 30 minutes, this is not a cruise going to come to your home two weeks from now, sometime between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., one of those deals. Now, you set it up yourself in about 30 minutes, and then you got fire protection, burglary, medical emergency, or just help setting up the system. And as our listeners, you save 20% on your Simply Safe security system and get your first month free when you sign up for interactive monitoring service. Just visit simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Customize your system like Jack said. Start protecting your home and your family or your workshop or your band's rehearsal space or whatever you need to protect. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Was there another John Kirby uh, tape? Uh, Yeah. I don't know what he has to say, but he said it just a few minutes ago. As the general said, there's been no hostile interactions with uh, the Taliban on either our people or our operations. And can you confirm, so there is no tracking of what the Taliban is doing? Our focus is on security and the operation of the airport. Hmm. That that doesn't mean anything. Like I was saying earlier, I don't believe freaking anything I hear about any government official anymore after a couple of years of the war, well, 20 years of the war in Afghanistan that we now know is full of lies. You know, two years of COVID in which they constantly make crap up. So I just, I I don't even know why I listen to them. They're going to say whatever serves their interest. Yeah, and at this point, as you pointed out, that uh, with the troops there, on the scene, on the ground, in a very volatile situation, I, I can kind of forgive the. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No doubt. You know the the double talk. Yeah, no doubt. Fog of war, trying to you know get things happen. If if it's better to say, um, no, things are fine with the Taliban than to say we've had a few shootings. Yeah, do what you got to do. Yeah, 
Yeah, here, here. Boy, is it a precarious situation, though. Stay tuned. We'll uh, we'll track it for you. Um, no, I've got all sorts of good, uh, well, interesting news, but a lot of it's a downer. Did you I hear? I don't, I don't want to do a Debbie Downer show all day. Well, we can. No, I, I hear you there. We, we can figure out what uh, major thing we want to do when we come back. But did you hear about the Bob Dylan uh, suit? I did. So Bob Dylan, who I couldn't be a bigger fan of, really. He's ancient at this point. I think he's my dad's age. Anyway, uh, a, a woman came forward claiming that when she was a 12-year-old girl, Bob Dylan sexually assaulted her. He groomed her and sexually assaulted her. One of the keys to this story is she's claiming this happened in 1965. That's the oldest one of these yet, isn't it? I mean, we've had ones going back to the 90s, I think, that we thought. How can you possibly substantiate something from the 90s? This is from 1965. With all due respect and and understanding of the complexities of being the victim of a sexual assault, um, after 56 years, I think you just deal with it yourself. I mean, it's uh, completely unprovable. I don't... Well, the worst... I don't, well, the worst part would be if he actually did it. But the second worst part would be if he didn't do it, because it's a completely unprovable also. I mean, you can't prove it didn't happen. And there's certain people that will look at you a different way if you're Bob Dylan for, you know however many years you got left in your life, because somebody came forward and said that as a 12-year-old, he plied her with drugs and alcohol before sexually abusing her at his Chelsea Hotel apartment in New York. 1965. And nothing else. It's not like Harvey Weinstein, where there's, you know, women have been saying this sort of thing forever. Guy's an old man. He he was a giant star for a long time. Anybody else out there got anything to say? So, I don't know. Yeah, that seems very odd to me. We'll just have to let that play out, I guess. But believe all 56 women. Fifty-six years. Yeah, gotta, you gotta, you gotta get to that earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC. We should bring you up to speed on, I suppose, on a couple of COVID things. But I don't know if I want to talk about that either. I hear you. I hear what Joe's saying. Too many things are a downer. We don't want downers. Armstrong and Getty. So I'm sounding like a nihilist today. Um, I mean, if you if you don't believe anything you hear, I mean, what's the point of paying attention to anything? But uh, when I hear a COVID story, for instance, I think oh, maybe it's that bad. Maybe it's that not. I don't know. I know how you twist numbers, or you give maybe me a per- the media's cherry picking because they don't like that governor. Yeah, you 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 give me a a, a a raw number, but you don't give me the denominator, so I know the percentage is like point zero zero five or something like that. But I'm looking at this map of the uh, they've got in the New York Times of America, and it's. You know, COVID it gets progressively work, worse as it goes from yellow to uh, dark red. And most of the country is light yellow. And there are pocket, pockets of dark dark red. But mo- if you looked at the country, you kind of squint your eyes and look back, it's mostly light yellow and orange. It's That doesn't look mm. that scary to me. Since I don't have that in front of me, is that just because most of the country is rural? Or are you looking at uh, population centers as well? No, I know what the map used to look like. That's that's mm-hmm. the thing. I know what the map used to look like, this very same map. 
And okay. it used to be yeah. very, very red. And now it's very, very yellow. So I, I, I don't know. But then you look at the actual numbers, and here's your rolling 14-day average on COVID cases. 141,000 a day, which is up 64% on the rolling average. Are they testing more? Probably. Anyway, deaths, which is a pretty easy number. You're either dead or you're not. Correct. Uh, up 106% on the rolling 14-day average. It's 704. Still, 704 people dying, or 700 some dying a day. On the other hand, and I've got three hands now, which would make me a great circus freak. <laughs> Fine baseball player. On the other hand, you get back to my saying that I love so much, if we could only save 99% of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, if 1% of us died from COVID, that'd be 3 million deaths, a lot. We're at 600,000. So right. most people, by far, practically everybody, is not going to die from this thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the downer stories I'm not going to deal with is, uh, to their credit, the WAPO was writing about children's mental health and how badly it's been harmed by the pandemic. <laughs> I would like to point out, it's mostly been harmed by the reaction to the pandemic. And how it's tough to get uh, counseling in that no sort of doubt. thing. No doubt. Um, oh my God! What a what a cluster blank. So a couple of uh, COVID related stories, but don't turn out. It's not, don't tune out. It's not you know it's the usual crap. Uh, according to a big new survey, nearly one in three U.S. workers under forty have thought about changing their occupation or field of work since the pandemic began. And I thought. Workers under 40, like every job I had when I was under 40, I thought, this is ridiculous. What am I doing? This job sucks. <laughs> i got to do something else. Yeah, true that. Including my first couple of jobs in radio, which I enjoyed, but who, boy, pauper's wages. Uh, then there's this. No school bus driver? Schools are paying parents to drive their own kids as economic disruptions hit classrooms. They can't get buses. They can't get drivers, uh, substitute teachers, computers, ketchup packets, even dry erase markers because of the global uh, supply chain. Ketchup packets. Yeah. I, I got a, a drawer full of those. Shortage. Can I send them to somebody? <laughs> Man, you ought to. I almost dropped an S-bomb. You ought to sell those on the eBay. Ketchup packets? Things aren't oh, that yeah. bad yet. but. And then listen to this, would you? New Zealand's first corona case in six months. I saw that. One case. They've gone into lockdown. Hardcore. They're, they're uh, hot looking, funnily accented. Uh, Prime Minister has locked down the country. Well, hobbits spread it. Man, it's known. That's racism, Jack. That's racism. Uh, three day nationwide lockdown late Tuesday. For one case? One human. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, there's at least one too many R's, said she was ordering the country's harshest shutdown in more than a year, given the strong likelihood that the case was the more infectious Delta variant. Well, maybe it's a smart thing to do. Clamp down on it and just keep it out of the country. Oh, Jack going along with the totalitarian impulses there. Labeled this part of the podcast, Jack would have made a good Nazi. (laughs) She appealed to New Zealanders to not go out unnecessarily. Oh, jeez. Of course, you got a little hobbit-infested island nation. I mean, they can shut down for three days. Sure. They don't have millions of people coming in and out, including at the southern border. Oh, you know, I just read the other day. Your precious ring is not going anywhere. (laughs) Uh, Actually, uh, Dick sent this along. Uh, Headline, Canada reopens its border for vaccinated U.S. visitors. Okay? In the middle of the article, here's a quote, guys. 
The U.S.-Canada border has been closed to non-essential travel since March 2020 to try to slow the spread of the coronavirus. The coronavirus. The U.S. has said it will extend its closure to all Canadians making non-essential trips until at least August 21st, which also applies to the Mexican border. Wait a minute. Hold on. The Mexican border is closed to non-essential travel? What? <laughs> That's news to the probably 350 to 400,000 human beings who are rolling across, pouring across the border every month. Now, half of those get busted, sent back to Mexico or whatever, but half of them are getting in. So what you're saying is... The Mexico border is closed, except to the 200,000 per month who are coming in. Nobody's talking about it. That's pretty funny. And, you know, sad. It is sad. I tell you what, if if, if somebody were to all of a sudden materialize in the studio and say, it's during a commercial break. Hey, dudes, dudes, this is off the record, but. I perfected my time machine. I've just come back from six months from now, and the Biden administration has completely collapsed. Biden has resigned. Kamala Harris is hapless. Her VP, Bernie Sanders, is trying to take over the White House. Everything has come off the rails. Somebody told you that. Would you be shocked? You get a time machine, you're going to go back to six months ago? You lack imagination. Maybe the thing has, like, not good batteries or something. It, it, that's as far as it can go. Wow. How, how, you know, I suppose I could bet on the Super Bowl. <laughs> exactly. Change, now you're talking. Changed my life. Hey, take those lemons, make some lemonade. You got six months. Think about it. But no, seriously, if you heard things had come completely off the rails, would it shock you? No. No, of course not. I don't think so either. They seem to be just utterly hapless, floundering, flailing. So I was at my son's football practice last night, and I just saw it where Brett Favre is saying kids should not play tackle football until they are 14. I'm going to have to look into that. He's thinking it's bad for their brains. My son's 11. Don't want to ruin his brain. More on the way. Armstrong and Getty.